Welcome back to another edition of Boomsticks and Butterbeer. I'm Dan Rhino. I'm Jessica Rhino. We are continuing our journey through Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Last time we kicked it off with Chapter 1, which was Dudley Demented. Literally and figuratively. Yes. Demented. As our dog is trying to dig a hole in our new couch, we are off to a rousing start here. Woohoo! We had a little bit of a break between the end of book four and the beginning of book five because Jessica got COVID for the second time, baby! (laughs) And then after recovering from COVID, Jess felt pretty good for about four or five days. And now it's back. And we don't know what it is. We don't know. Uh, Thought maybe strep throat, thought... Maybe uh, kind of like a, a cold virus, head congestion. And now thing. there's a new thing. Breaking news. Breaking news. Apparently, the antiviral medicines that they are uh, giving the new concoction by Pfizer. Pfizer. That uh, they've come out with to help people recover more quickly from COVID. Uh, is apparently causing COVID symptoms to come uh, roaring back. Yeah, they're still kind of like saying, eh, it's okay, it's kind of a good thing. Um, it's a small percentage of people that get like this second round of symptoms. Mm-hmm. So if I cough After later, taking the medicine, that's supposed to make you feel better. Yes, but the medicine still helps you not get as sick. Mm-hmm. You just get sick twice. But you said that when you took the medicine, it made you feel so awful sick (laughs) yes for for lack of a better term yes there were some unpleasant side effects with the medicine um the cure is worse than the disease (laughs) and then i got sick again this is ridiculous it's it just reminds me of like when when i've had surgeries before and like when my shoulder and my shoulders just it just hurt so bad all the time, and then I had the surgery, and I was like, "Oh, I shouldn't have had the surgery. It's this so much worse." worse. <laughs> yeah, so I got COVID, didn't feel well, took the medicine, had a whole nother set of reasons I didn't yeah. feel well. Felt felt worse for different reasons. And then I got better, and I was like, "Okay, well, it maybe it shortened it, maybe it made it not as bad." Mm. And then I felt fine for a couple of days, and then right back into the same boat. I felt exactly the same as I did before I took the medicine. I'll tell you what, next time I get COVID, I won't be asking for that medicine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to hunker down and, and ride it out, I think. 
probably so what I should have done. <laughs> get vaccinated, people. Get out, get out there and uh, vaccinate, get vaccinated. Boosters. Stay away from people, man. Yeah, especially as we were recording this in May of 2022. You're listening to this in 2025. You're like, what are you talking about? Everybody just gets their barcode scanned now. And it, it tells you exactly <laughs> what's wrong with you. <laughs> and it also like makes sure you're up to date on all your, your shots, which all come in, in one easy to take tablet now. Yeah. Oh, I've got other breaking news. Uh-oh. Hit, hit the button. I received a text message from Jennifer this morning. Uh-oh. Because she was missing last night. And we figured she was asleep. Uh-huh. Uh, she's sick. We don't know what yet. She hasn't tested for COVID yet. But, yep, sounds quite similar. And Jennifer just returned from... Gallivanting uh, around the Literally uh, Central and South America, I believe. Yes. So... She could have anything. Yeah, any number of, like, dengue fever. <laughs> Monkeypox is going around. Yep. Flashback for all you guys that listen to this way in the future. Mm-hmm. Remember monkeypox? Some kind of South African bird flu. We know that when she goes on these uh, adventures, she likes to uh, kiss a lot of things. and Yeah, there's, like, monuments and... Um... Just, You've heard about like kissing the Blarney Stone. Yeah. I mean, w- and somebody's like grave too. You yeah. gotta kiss the grave. She just does that because she's uh, inebriated. Though. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna kiss it. <laughs> Nobody's well, ever just, done you that. Say it while you're putting the lipstick on, <laughs> real, real thick, so that she can leave the mark. Well, uh, we're trying to get this episode in right here at the the end of May 2022, so we can keep with our New Year's resolution. We didn't know if it was going to happen. Because Jess, uh, when she talks a lot, coughs a lot. So I'm going to try to... Yeah, but I figure they'd rather have an episode with a couple of coughs than no episode at all. I'm going to try to set you up for a few things here and hopefully keep you... uh, uh, Save your your bullets for when you really need them. Okay. (laughs) That way you won't uh, go into a coughing fit. So let's recap last time, Chapter 1, Dudley Demented. Harry's home with the Dursleys after Year 4. Waiting for Voldemort to begin his evil takeover of the world. And Harry is watching a lot of muggle news. Trying to get any hint of weird things that might be going on that that are signaling Voldemort shenanigans. Harry is laying in the flowers in the front yard so he can hear the news through the window. And doesn't have to sit with his aunt and uncle. And he can also hide from Mrs. Fig who's always trying to ask Harry over to tea. Harry hears a boom which startles Harry and causes him to pull his wand out. Uncle Vernon sees this and tries to strangle Harry through the window, so Harry runs off. Meanwhile, Dudley is apparently some big deal boxer now and runs with a crew of fellow delinquents, bullying kids and causing trouble all around town. Harry heads home with Dudley at the end of the night. Harry is needling Dudley pretty bad. Harry kind of itching for a fight when Dementors show up, and the Dementors nearly suck out Dudley's soul before Harry fights them off with a Patronus charm. And just then Mrs. Fig shows up. The aforementioned Mrs. Fig. Apparently very aware of magical stuff. And very upset with someone named Mundungus Fletcher. I've got a question for you, Daniel. Uh, let me finish my hydrating here. <laughs> Alright, go ahead. That was a lot of talking you needed to drink. Yep. Uh, is Mrs. Fig your new favorite character? 
I'm kind of afraid to say yes, <laughs> because usually when I say that, the person ends up being a horrible, horrible person. Well, I just remember how much you loved her from the first book. Yes, she was in the first book. <laughs> Did you know that she was? She used to babysit Harry? I don't know if you get, if you knew that. I did, I did. I remember that. Probably because you heard it from me. Oh, because yeah. I teach you all kinds of things about Harry Potter on this podcast. Boomsticks and butterbeer. Let's get into chapter two. A peck of owls, not a pack of owls, Jess. No, a peck of owls. Peck. I feel like this chapter should have just been called one big long confusing conversation. There was a lot of uh, things that came to light for a lot of people in the book characters and us as readers yes in this chapter uh, we find out pretty quickly that mrs fig is a squib just like uh, mr filch yes and uh, she's so she's very acquainted with magical goings-on but not able to practice magic yes so she probably was born into a magical family but just it skipped her the magical gene mm-hmm uh, we also learned that Mondungus Fletcher is a wizard who was supposed to be kind of an appointed protector of Harry during these unsure times. Given what you learned about him in this chapter, do you think he was the best choice? No. No. No, not at all. <laughs> uh, it seemed like he was kind of a... Well, you happen to be in the area, so we'll utilize you, but... Probably not the best person to kind of put your your trust in, put all your eggs in, in, the, in the Mundungus Fletcher basket. Mrs. Fig definitely didn't trust him. She had her cat babysitting him. What's the deal with squibs and cats? <laughs> huh, I don't know. <laughs> and cats that have uh, monikers of Mr. or Mrs. Yes, and, and seem to be way more intelligent than the average mm-hmm. feline. So, like when you're when they find out you're a squib, they're like, "Oh, here's your cat. Here's your semi magical cat. We can't give you a wand, but we can give you a cat. We can give you a smart cat. I guess that works. I mean, I'm like, all right, you'd be that's really better upset. Than nothing. You'd be really upset. They'd have to give you a cat and like a thing of alivert because of how allergic <laughs> yeah, you are I'm to it. Yeah, I'm very allergic to cats. Here's your cat and here's your Benadryl. I'm just gonna sleep <laughs> all the time. Have fun. But uh, Mr. Fletcher, Mondungus Fletcher, that is, uh, cannot protect Harry from the Dementors because he's off uh, trying to buy stolen cauldrons off the black market. Yeah, they fell off the back of the broom. I love that that phrase, by the way, because <laughs> we here in America, we use the phrase, you know, it fell off the back of the truck when we yeah. talk about like, like hot. Hot items, items that are, you know, uh, stolen, like TVs and, uh, uh, it's not really stolen. Stereo systems, things like that. It fell off the truck and it just, like, into your hands. But yeah, that's a, oh, they fell off the back of the truck. So, what else am I supposed to do with them? But in the magical world, they fell off the back of the broom and Mundungus is trying to, uh, get a unique business opportunity here. It's very important for his business. We also learned that Mundungus was the one that caused that booming apparating sound in, in Chapter 1 that caused so much drama. Mm-hmm. And uh, we see pretty quickly here in Chapter 2 that Dudley is still in bad shape after almost having his soul sucked out. 
Dudley seemed to have escaped the encounter with Harry's help from having any of his soul sucked out. But so why is Dudley still so out of it? He's kind of like a a big beefy guy now. He seemed that he would be able to stand up a little bit more to this. But Dudley is just really, really out of it in this chapter. Can't even walk himself home. Vomits as soon as he gets home. Can't say more than two or three words at a time. Is it just because he is a muggle and we, we've talked about or you've talked about how wizards and witches are a little bit more of a, a hardy stock yeah. I believe is what they say yeah I think that does like an encounter with a dementor is it have more effect on a muggle than it would a, a wizard I think so I mean it, it makes sense that he would be more susceptible slower to recover but also just the shock of it all, you know, he, witches and wizards are used to seeing magical things happen, strange creatures. So you got to put that on top of it. So his body was already in a state of... Of shock. Mm -hmm. And then it had this traumatic event. Blood pressure elevated. <laughs> and also he's just... I mean, I know he's a boxer and he's a bully, but I also kind of feel like he's a big wuss. Mm. I mean, come on. Just because he's the biggest kid and can throw some punches doesn't mean he's ever been punched back. Mm -hmm. And I kind of feel like if somebody bigger came along and picked on him, he would just curl into a ball and cry. Because... I'll tell you what, getting punched is the worst. I've only been <laughs> punched in the face maybe three times in my life. Three times? I don't, I don't guess I wouldn't have thought that even that high. Um, yeah, I think three. I think I can go back and... Uh, count. There was one where I got like blindside, like cold cock. I'm like, God, what did he hit me with? His fist. <laughs> I got hit, fist. With, got hit with a bat or something. I took it like a champ, though. Uh -huh. But it's the worst. I'll tell you what. Huh. I had I got a toy thrown at my face by a preschooler, but I... Oh, I thought you were going to say a priest. A priest. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Some private schools, man. They don't take any No, they don't. I heard about the, the kids, nuns like man. slapping the hands with the rulers. I didn't know priests were throwing toys. When I was in preschool. Wow. <laughs> threw a toy at my face when I was wow. in preschool. No, that is not what happened. A preschooler was upset that he wasn't getting to paint. I didn't even say that he it was his teacher said it, and he threw the toy at my face. But, no, I, I've never been punched in the face. Well, hopefully you can make it through the next 60 years or so without that happening, because it's the worst. Uh, Dudley, like I said, still in bad shape. Harry has to haul Dudley back to the Dursley's house while also keeping his wand at the ready. And we learned that Mrs. Fig never told Harry that she was aware of magical things because this was part of Dumbledore's orders. So the whole Mrs. Fig, Harry interaction that we've had over the years, this has all been kind of part of Dumbledore's plan for a long time. Yeah, to have somebody nearby to keep an eye on things, keep an eye on Harry. So Dumbledore's been kind, kind of... Kind of spy for him, yeah. spy for Dumbledore. Dumbledore's been kind of, you know, you know, pulling the strings here for a long time you know a lot of people always wonder oh well they're just like oh well Dumbledore knows everything well how did he know that Harry was living under the stairs maybe he mentioned it to Miss Fig Miss Fig found out who knows he's got little birds everywhere little, bird, little owls everywhere well Mundungus Fletcher eventually does show up 
after his back room haggling over those stolen cauldrons, and Mrs. Fig is super upset with him. But the main issue now is that Mundungus needs to get word to Dumbledore about what just happened as it relates to Harry using magic. And why is this so so timely? Why is this so important that it happened so quickly? This kind of is... They take a long time for us to figure, as a reader to figure this out. They really slowly piece this together. But... J.K. Uh, Rowling t- taking slow, uh, slowly to get to the point of something, that does not sound like her based on the books I've, especially the last book I read. The last book you read. So, take it back. But, no, I, I won't, Daniel. I won't. But we get slowly, we get little bits and pieces of information about this. Harry was being watched by different people. He was supposed to... The goal there, apparently, wasn't just protection, but to make sure that he doesn't use magic. Like, at all costs, we were supposed to keep him from using magic. And we're not sure really why until we start getting letters from the Ministry and things start to fall apart. But we're still not sure why things are going quite so crazy. But the whole thing with getting word to Dumbledore is basically to try to prevent what what happens pretty quickly after this in that the ministry finds out that harry has used magic he already has strike mm-hmm. um, for for doing underage it, magic uh for yeah and doing it away from from hogwarts for doing this before and apparently they there is a not much tolerance for that and we're going to find out here in, in just a second in my notes here that once we get Dudley's bulky butt home to the Dursleys and 37 Owls start showing up, that the ministry is very serious about this. But here, here's my issue with, with this, as we'll find out later. The ministry seems to know exactly when and where underage magic is being used, right? Yes, they gave a time, and they knew exactly what mm-hmm. charm he used. What charm he used, where, where he was... But they don't seem to investigate why. They just kind of, oh, you used it, so. It's you know. a zero tolerance policy, then. But here's the thing, though. We got <laughs> Harry Potter, the boy who lived, the one who has on record run-ins with the Dark Lord since he was literally a baby. Using a Patronus charm away from Hogwarts. I wonder if there's something we should look into here. Nah, just expel him. Nah, just expel him. You broke the rules. I'm not okay with that. I can't really explain it to you right now. I think I need to run for Hogwarts school board because... Or, <laughs> I guess uh, I guess it wouldn't be a school board issue. It would be a ministry Yeah, ministry issue. issue. But it seems like we've got... He gets a hearing. There's going to be a trial. Yeah, but the initially it's you're expelled, we're coming to destroy your wand, and then you'll have a hearing. And Pretty that, drastic. Yeah. And, Considering and, the first time, they just didn't care. Like, you would think that there would be, like, a, an owl that says, hey, you've got... Uh, you know, you you were noticed doing this and this at this time and this charm. Uh, we are currently investigating. You know, you need to be on house arrest or whatever. Do not leave your current position or something like that. Crazy, like I've been doing that all summer. 
So I, I, I just don't know why they jump to. It just seems like there's a systemic issue here <laughs> that that needs to be addressed, and nobody, everybody's stuck in just the the old times where, you know, it's just like when the when the Constitution was written. You know, it's written over 200 years ago. Not everything word for word that was written back then applies today. We, that's why we have amendments. That's why we need to be able to, you know, alter our interpretation of this a little bit to kind of go adjust with the times. And it sounds like the ministry is kind of a, you know, an old school uh, patriarchy that that doesn't want to do that. I get a, I get a lot of that from these books. Like they're kind of set in their ways and they don't really want to adjust with the times. Yes and no. I think this is also part of we're going to interpret the way interpret it the way we want it to work for us right now. Because, like we said, he did it before. He panicked, ran away, and then when he he didn't get caught, but when he did run into Budge, it was like, oh, that it was no big deal, no big deal, Harry. Have have a sandwich. So Harry somehow gets Dudley back to the Dursleys, and Uncle Vernon and Aunt, Aunt Petunia are there wanting to know what's wrong with their Diddy. Oh, poor baby Diddy. Who immediately throws up. <laughs> Everywhere. <laughs> you know, I if I was a parent, and my kid came home in that condition and immediately threw up, what would what would be your first thought? Uh, well, I would think they were a little intoxicated, Daniel. Yeah. But not their Diddy. No, Diddy that, doesn't it can't do those. Be. He blamed somebody else. He did, did somebody put something foreign in your tea? <laughs> I was like, what? Like, did that old lady drug you? <laughs> yeah. What did What did he just yeah, say? Yeah, that was that was Uncle Vernon's first insinuation that Dudley's friend's mom, I think. Yeah. Uh, put something in foreign in the tea and i'm like is he being like racist again like does she have wouldn't surprise me and the name didn't seem particularly ethnic in any way mm -hmm. i was trying i kind of went back and was like oh is it like but it wasn't like is it like show yeah, put something well, foreign in your tea or something mm -hmm. it wasn't mrs no it just it didn't seem I don't know what he was getting at. I don't know what he was getting at. But we Not already racist. He this already time. said he, he already proved he was racist. Yeah, yeah, we know that for sure. And I actually got that in my notes because that there was a little kind of a throwaway line later in the chapter that kind of made me uh, go back to that moment in in chapter one that I'll bring up here in just a second. So <laughs> Dudley can barely speak, but. Dudley's little bit of insinuation that Harry is involved in the state of Dudley is enough to send Vernon off the deep end. And then the owls start showing up. Oh, goodness. <laughs> and the first owl, is, as we said a couple minutes ago, is the one that says that, Oh, Harry, you, uh, I hope, I hope this letter finds you well. I hope you're doing great. There's a lot of very, uh, it, it opened with pleasantries. It ended with pleasantries. Yes. And in the middle, oh yeah, you're expelled from Hogwarts and, uh, the ministry will be there shortly to destroy your wand. Have a pleasant, have the most pleasant of days. Yes. I guess it's a form letter. <laughs> <laughs> they just fill in the middle part for whatever they need. We said in chapter one that, Harry's already dealing with a lot of emotions from being 
kind of kept out of the loop with his friends, with Sirius, and now seemingly with Dumbledore as well. So Harry's already in a bit of an unstable state, and now Harry is thinking that maybe he needs to go on the run so the Ministry doesn't show up and destroy his wand. And then more owls start coming. Yeah, he's figuring if he's expelled and he's never going back to Hogwarts, there's no way he can live the rest of his life with the Dursleys, so... He's going to have to leave eventually. And if he's going to be out there on his own, he's going to need his wand. So, Especially if the... Dementors are hanging around. Yeah, and especially if the next wizarding war war is coming. So he he very quickly decides that I should just go now. Before they come, before they try and destroy my wand, I'll just go on the run. Which is kind of what he did the first time when he used magic Mm -hmm. and he wasn't supposed to and he took off so if you're harry right now are you are you mad are you confused are you scared i mean what what's really going through his mind right now like you said he's got all these emotions already kind of stemming from how he was feeling in chapter one with his friends not really communicating with him serious kind of bossing him around now he knows that he's been basically lied to by Mrs. Fig all these years, and Dumbledore's been spying on him. And I, Harry's got to be dealing with a lot here. What kind of emotions do you think he's feeling? Um, yeah, everything you just mentioned, plus just that feeling of isolation. He just doesn't know what's going on. He's fearing the worst and just kind of feeling left out, I think. It feels like everybody, it's like when everybody is talking about you and you like see them on the other side of the room and they're like whispering about you, but you don't know what they're saying because you're not really in the loop. You just feel, like you said, isolated and you feel like everybody knows everything about what's going on with me except for me (laughs) yes and i have no idea what's going on with anybody else everybody knows my business but i don't know what anybody else is up to and then he also i think a little further down he gets mad because he essentially just did this amazing thing he fought off two dementors saved somebody's life and everybody's just mad at him and he's in big trouble now (laughs) drug his butt home (laughs) drug his butt home which and that, that was probably the most impressive thing in the whole chapter, not yeah. fighting off the Dementors. Yeah. Well, with... that's why Dudley had to lose weight in the first. He had to say he lost some weight in the first chapter so they could make it possible for Harry to carry him. Was spindly? Uh, well, muscle weighs more than fat, Jess. So Dudley might actually weigh more than he used to. Yes, but if t- it, the awkward bulkiness of him, mm. at least now he's a little leaner and uh, yeah, he's got more structure to him. Easier to carry. He's not just like a bag of milk. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I heard somebody describe somebody as a bag of milk the other day, and now it's my new favorite term. <laughs> uh, let's see what we got here. Uh, not sure if this was supposed to be fun, but I had a little fun in this chapter with Vernon learning more about the wizarding world than he ever cared to. Uh, Vernon learning that there is a magical branch of the government, which 
Vernon says, well, explains uh, why this government's in the toilet right now. That's going <laughs> to the dogs. Going to the dogs. Uh, Vernon learns what the mentors are and what they do. I love that Vernon and Petunia shake Dudley a little bit to see if Dudley's soul is still inside him. Do you think that Dementor got a taste of Dudley's soul and spit it back out? <laughs> uh, no, I, I don't like, think... Like, oh, oh, like, it's so bitter. I don't think things went that far. Brussels sprouts. In my head, I kept screaming at Harry. I'm like, just tell them to give him some chocolate. Why? I know he doesn't really care no, I that, think of that Dudley's suffering, but at least we could kind of, like, get him a little better, then they'd be less freaked out kind of deal. Also, it would be kind of like a peace offering. Here, I'm going to tell you how, how to make him better. Maybe they got rid of all the chocolate in the house now that Dudley's like on, you know, like the protein bars and things mm, like that. I'm sure that Mr. Vernon has a secret stash. Yeah, his belly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Vernon learns that his own wife, Petunia, not only knows more about the wizarding world than she has ever hinted at, but there may even be more to Petunia's involvement in the magical magical community than just having a witch sister. Yes, there was some so what hints do you, yeah, and what some do you make open-ended of the things. Pet- Petunia revelations in this chapter. What do you make of it, Daniel? I I, I already know. I've got some so... thoughts at the at the end of my notes here that I'll 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 kind of uh, bring up, but I don't. So my I guess my guess would be that Petunia kind of puts on a certain face for Vernon that she doesn't want to have anything to do with magic that you know she hate hated her sister because her sister was a witch because her brother by byproduct of that her brother-in-law was a was a wizard and the magic is bad, 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 bad. I don't want to have anything to do with it. I don't want to have anything to do with it in this house. But my kind of takeaway is that there might be some side dealings going on with Petunia and those in the in the magical community as it relates to her family lineage that she's been kind of keeping away from Vernon all these years. That would be my guess. I just want to ask you, do you know of any pair of siblings that if one has something, the other one doesn't want it? No. (laughs) (laughs) No matter what it is. No. It doesn't matter. Yeah. The other one is always jealous. Even if you give two kids a lollipop, if they're two different colors, then they want the other color. Mm Mm-hmm. So now she says that she doesn't want anything to do with magic. Hates magic. It's all bad. It's all evil. But so maybe part when they of, were children, yeah, maybe part of the maybe part of the drama between the sisters over the years was because not because Lily was different, and that's why Petunia had ill feelings toward her but maybe because Lily had something that was kind of cool that Petunia didn't. How would you feel if Boo got to go to Hogwarts? Not great. Not great. So more owls come. Apparently Dumbledore talked to the Ministry and convinced the Ministry not to destroy Harry's wand or expel Harry until his official hearing. 
and more owls with Sirius bossing Harry around as well. And Harry's really going through the gauntlet of emotions here, isn't he? <laughs> Everything. Yeah, he's... And then he just keeps getting a headache. His head hurts. He wants to go sit in his room and think everything through because he can't even process everything that's going on. And like one sentence, yeah, his 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 anger is going down, and the next sentence, his anger is going back up, and he's mad again. And we're all over the place with this, Daniel. There's kind of a throwaway line here that I alluded to earlier, but when Uncle Vernon learns that Dementoids, and he called them about eight different names in this Dementis. chapter, when he learns that Dementoids kiss you to steal your soul, Vernon gets super flabbergasted by this and i we know that he's a bit of a racist from his chapter one comments is vernon a bit of a homophobe too probably <laughs> would that surprise, surprise you, you? <laughs> no he kissed you what <laughs> that thing kissed my baby <laughs> that thing was probably a boy a boy kissed my boy oh no so I, it was kind that's, of a, that's the whole reason they think Dudley's upset. He got kissed by a boy. It was kind of a throwaway line, but I caught it and kind of insinuated that maybe Vernon's a bit of a homophobe too. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, there's hints at it earlier in the chapter with Petunia blurting out her knowledge of Dementors, but at the end of the chapter here, we really get to see a different side of Petunia don't we yeah i i mean i knew that it was coming i knew how it happened but to read it again it was like oh oh he she's got a backbone and he's gonna take it i i just it, the whole dynamic between the two i didn't petunia and vernon yes mm -hmm. i didn't really feel like this was a battle she was going to win but he was just like oh okay yes ma'am as you know, the wife always wins. <laughs> yeah. But it just doesn't seem like it happens much in this but relationship. The, also, with the, the other side of Petunia that I was talking about, when when she hears that Voldemort is back. Oh, yes. And the same, that, this, that being the same dark wizard that killed her sister, we see emotions and reactions from Petunia that we've never seen before. There was like back what do you mean like it's not it's not like the they not the like the the squinted eyes and the anger face it was the wide eyes the just being flabbergasted by everything and not really sure how to process this information and she very clearly no recognizes the name right off the bat knows what that means or it took Vernon a little longer he was lord lord what Oh, wait, I've heard that name. I've yeah. heard that name. What is, what is, and Harry had to remind him that the man killed my parents and blah, blah, blah. And then he kind of catches on and puts some things together. But so, yeah, Vernon yeah, Petuna kinda, gets it yeah. right away. Vern, and Vernon was aware of who Voldemort was as it pertains to that one night, what mm -hmm. he did. But Petunia seems to be more aware of who Voldemort is in the grander scheme of things here. I feel like she's, again, slowly painting us a picture of Petunia 
I'm going to go back to Boo. What was it that Boo was reading inside of like a comic book? Twilight. It was Twilight. Okay. So like, like that. Like she's like secretly been keeping up and reading about, not that she really has, but she obviously knows stuff about the wizarding world. She's just pretending that she didn't. Mm-hmm. But I feel like she kind of. I think she's reading the Daily Prophet like inside of inside like the, the regular London, newspaper, the London Times or something like that. <laughs> Harry's been getting them all and throwing them away, and she's been pulling them out of the trash and reading them. Who knows? So just when Uncle Vernon is kicking Harry out of the house seemingly for good, another owl arrives, and this time it's for Petunia. Yes, and it's a howler. It's a howler. And what's it howling? Yeah, Harry even said he thinks it's for him, and but she picks it up and he's like, "Go ahead, open it. Doesn't matter. I'm gonna hear what it has to say, because that's a howler." And she's like, "No, it's addressed to me, to Petunia in the kitchen." Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it just screams one little thing at her. It says, "Remember my last Petunia," mm-hmm. and that's all we get. But she clearly understands, and it changes. That's what I thought you were talking about earlier. It changes the whole dynamic in the household. Mm-hmm. She is, puts her foot down and says, nope. He stays because Vernon's about to kick Harry out. Mm-hmm. He realized that the Dementors were there to get Harry. And therefore, and that the man who killed his parents is back and is now after him. And it's putting everybody in danger. Which, I mean, he didn't go about it the right way. But it's quite reasonable. Mm-hmm. Be like, yeah. you can't be here if this super scary murderer is after you. Right. Puts everybody in danger. And these soul-sucking monsters <laughs> are monsters after you, too. Yeah. Are after you. I mean, kicking a young boy out onto the streets is not exactly the right way to go about it, but it's not unreasonable for him to be like, you have to leave. Especially when you have no emotional attachment to this kid. Mm-hmm. This kid, in your eyes, has caused nothing but grief for you the kid's entire life. Yeah, he's not related to Vernon at all. It's through his wife, but his wife admits nothing but disdain for him, too. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he almost feels sorry. You're burdening her. How can I fix this problem? How can I protect everybody? Get out. You have to go. But then the howler comes and Petunia puts her foot down and says, no, he stays. Yeah, there's something about this mysterious message that I'm guessing we'll find out more later prompts Petunia to tell Harry that he's allowed to stay, which is frustratingly absurd to to Vernon. And uh, that's pretty much the end of the chapter, but I kind of had some notes here that, you know, I've always kind of thought that the dynamic between Petunia and Lily as sisters was a strange one. I know we've talked about a little bit about this a couple minutes ago, but Petunia never seemed to show much love when talking about her sister or sadness when hearing about her sister being killed and never really seemed to carry any love for her nephew as a byproduct of that. But, you know, maybe there's more to Petunia that she's been keeping deep down that we're going to find out more about that relationship between her and Lily. Yes, and also, you know, her husband is very clearly set one way, and 
Like I said, she just seems very submissive, so she's just going to go right along mm -hmm. with it. Yes, dear, magic is the worst. I know from personal experience magic is the worst, and we just shouldn't pretend nothing ever happened. But also on the same side, maybe he knows that that's a painful topic for her, and so he wants to, like, we'll just shut it down. It doesn't exist. We'll just live in our happy little bubble where none of that world exists. Oops, now we got to deal with this kid. I think it's kind of interesting when you have these characters that are seemingly two-dimensional that you start to kind of peel back the layers a little bit and see a little bit more depth to them. And I think that that's, um, I think that's kind of interesting when you kind of go on that journey and you, you find these these characters like Uncle Vernon and Aunt Petunia, who you just saw is just the, like I said, the very... They're like very flat, flat caricatures uh, yeah, yeah, of just, human beings. Of, so they don't yeah. seem like they can even be a full person. This is just their their character traits. Yeah, that, these their, three their things. simple purpose is to make Harry's life uh, a living peck. <laughs> <laughs> but if you, you know... Find out a little bit more about their backstory, and you can kind of fill them out mm -hmm. a little more. Try and look at things from their point of view. Mm -hmm. I mean, they don't have like a dysfunctional relationship. They obviously care for each other and care for their son. They spoil him rotten. That's not the best way to mm -hmm. parent, but they are, you know, full characters if you can see it from their point of view. And maybe we'll get a little bit more from Dudley as well because. Dudley really had a, a hard time uh, kind of vocalizing what what happened because of how in the state that he was in. But it didn't seem to me like Dudley was like super accusatory of Harry in this chapter. Yeah, he didn't fully understand what happened, so he blamed all of it on Harry because Harry was mad at him harry had his wand out and then things happened mm -hmm. it's not like he was he knows full well that terry didn't do it but he's pointing the finger at him anyway just to get him in trouble mm -hmm. he really doesn't know um i also thought was interesting was and harry thought was interesting too he wanted to know what dudley saw or mm -hmm. heard when the dementors forced you to relive your worst and worst memory mm -hmm. i said worst enemy that doesn't make sense you know, like how D Dudley doesn't have any bad memories. He's been, you know, coddled his whole life and given everything he wants. But there's obviously but something there. I'm sure, you know, he was always a chubby kid. Mm -hmm. So even from, you know, first going to school, I'm sure there were kids that made fun of him mm -hmm. for being fat. You know how they always say the bullies. That's how bullies are get, created. Yeah, yep. that's how bullies are created. Mm -hmm. So he went to school and he was... Probably he might have been dressed in the little sailor suit because mm -hmm. Petunia thought it was cute and he was yeah, he was fat and mm -hmm. so the other kids made fun of him and then he, someday he, one day he learned that he's bigger than them so he can just knock them down and that's how he became the bully but he still probably has a lot of those insecurities. It's like a you know any any good villain and not to say that like Dudley is. We have so many worse villains in this <laughs> that we haven't even got to yet. But any any good villain character in any form of media, you know, whether it be comic books, movies, books, whatever, has a good origin story. 
and has a reason why they are the way that they are. And something that's totally relatable, usually. Something Mm -hmm. that makes you stop and go, oh, well, I can totally understand why he would feel that way Mm -hmm. then. It's not... I think the worst written villains are the ones that are just bad for the sake of being bad. Mm -hmm. Those, Those aren't... Those aren't good villains. That there is something that that made them the way that they are. They have and we, to have something relatable for everyone, so that you can kind of feel that torn. Mm-hmm. Like, oh man, I kind of kind of feel bad for him, but this also doing these awful things. It's you got to invoke that emotion. And we've talked about Draco in the past, and the things that we've learned about, you know, kind of his upbringing. And we've learned over the first four now into the fifth book that there's layers to Draco as well. He's not just the <laughs> the He's evil, not just evil, the for the evil sake little of being blonde evil. kid who's evil for the sake of being evil. There's reasons, you know. He's, he's evil a, for the sake of his daddy's love. Yeah, he's he's a, a victim of his environment. And if he had grown up with the the Weasleys, he would be a totally different person. Mm-hmm. Might be a little snotty, but <laughs> you know, it's but just, not evil. No, it, it his his shenanigans might be a little more cruel. And and say, with Voldemort, we learned the same thing. You know, the in in the last book, at the very end of the last book, uh, about his dad and his mom, and you know, all the things that about uh, Voldemort, Tom Riddle's upbringing, that kind of made him the the villain that that he is it's not just he wasn't just born bad and now he's going to be bad for the sake of it for the sake of telling the story there there are a good villain has clear delineation between where they are and how they got there and i mean uh, you of course would know that by reading way more books than i do you know uh, you can spot a, a poorly written villain character a mile away, I'm sure. Can't think of any off the top of my head. I was trying to think of an example while you were talking. I just can't think of any off the top of my head. But I, for me, I think you know probably the most egregious uh, example of this, and this is, and his story has gotten a little bit more nuanced over the the last ten to fifteen years or so. They've tried to make him more relatable. Is the Joker, mm-hmm. and for all intents and purposes, the Joker is just crazy. Yeah, he just likes to see chaos. Right, chaos for the sake of chaos. And they even said that in the in the second uh, Christian Bale Batman movie. Some people just want to see the world burn. You know, some people just they they don't have a reason for it. you can't you can't uh, bargain with them. They just want to do bad things. But and they've tried to kind of they had like the Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie, which I know you didn't see, but. They kind of tried to give, and I know that's more like an alternate universe Joker, but they tried to give him, you know, this uh, this backstory of kind of just, you know, society was down on him and, you know, society had bullied him and he had kind of been, you know, mistreated his, his whole life and he kind of just reached his breaking point. And now he feels that, you know, he can fix society with through chaotic means rather than just the previous incarnations of Joker and just, yeah, I'm crazy now. 
and I'm just going to do crazy things because that's what I do. And then you're going to put me in the insane asylum. I'm going to get out and do more crazy things. That's probably the most egregious example that I can think of. But they've even tried to kind of um, round him out a little bit more through various media in the last few years. I'd have to say, you know, my the the Joker that I know the best, I think, would be the Heath Ledger one. And in that one, I always just kind of took it as, yeah, you know, he he had a hard time and society was down on him. We I don't know that we really got a full backstory in that mm-hmm. movie. No, we didn't. We do know that there was obviously some sort of trauma because mm-hmm. his face is messed up. Mm-hmm. But we don't get a full backstory. But I always kind of read him as, yeah, he likes the cast, but it's also like for him, like social experiments. Let me create this horrible situation scenario and see how people handle it. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like justification. I always thought, at least, that it was like justification for him that he could set up these scenarios and watch people fail mm-hmm. to handle the situation properly. And that kind of justified his past mm. of people treated me poorly because humans just can't do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of felt like that that was his motive. They're like, oh, I was right. I was right. People you, are bad. People are you bad. You can't. Punished. You'll always be selfish. You'll always choose yourself. And it's like you before, won't... I kill all these people. Like you said, let me do this experiment real quick, just to just to prove yes. that they're bad and that they deserve to let loose the mortal coil. Uh, there was a, uh, and it was never explained. Uh, and maybe there was rumors that maybe it was going to be explained in future m- movies because Heath Ledger's Joker doesn't die at the end of that movie. Spoiler alert! But he did unfortunately pass away in real life. There was rumors that his backstory is going to be more explained in, in future films that we never got a chance to see. But there was this theory online that perhaps he was a a soldier with PTSD, mm-hmm. and that's why he's so good with. You know, he's able to use weapons and things like that, um, you know, very proficiently. Um, he's a very tactical planner, even though seemingly insane, but, you know, very, you know, he's good with explosives. He's and He can see things 10 steps ahead. Mm-hmm. He knows if you're going to do this, I'll do this and this. You know, he, yeah, he's very strategic. And if, if he was a soldier that was suffering from PTSD and, and was kind of, you know, we've heard so so many stories in real life, you know, soldiers, particularly like in Vietnam, who came home and were treated as second-class citizens when they should have been treated as you know, people that put, put their lives on the line uh, for, you know, orders given by their uh, commander-in-chief. How society has let, you know, you, you see veterans in wheelchairs begging for money on the side of the road all the time. You know, the, they literally gave up what semblance of a life they had for this country and society has has you know just kind of thrown them away i don't think at the time they knew how to deal with it mm-hmm. how to deal with their trauma how to deal with their not that i'm justifying it i'm saying they just didn't know what to do so they ignored it mm-hmm. they pushed it to the side and yeah. said you go sit over there where we don't have to look at you mm-hmm. harry go sit up in your room and be absolutely quiet and don't pretend you don't exist so that it doesn't disrupt our daily lives. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, you talk about that as far as the Dursleys dealing with Harry. That's kind of how society dealt with these soldiers, mm-hmm. you know, as well. 
And you know that 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 would give more depth to like a a Joker villain character because it that that would make you feel some empathy for them. And, and I, a little more fear of what they're capable yeah, of. Yeah, exactly. You know? And th- that would make it a more well-rounded character. But I like the little... I know we kind of got off the beaten path here, but I think it. But I think it's kind of cool the, the organic conversations that we get into when we're reading these books. And that's some of the most fun things about this doing this podcast with you is that, you know, talking about how these things in the book relate to what's going on in society right now and how it relates to other characters in, in other books and making those connections. It's, uh, it's really fun to kind of go through that journey and experience things like that organically. It's also necessary for our readers, so, our listeners, so they can play pop culture bingo. Yep, and also necessary uh, for them to know how big of nerds we are. Yes, yes. <laughs> because that is very, uh, that, that is something that is very uh, crucial to the the functionality of this podcast is that we are super nerds. Super nerds. And uh, we thank Speaking you. Speaking of super nerds, we'll be headed down to Metropolis in <laughs> 10 days for, for the, the Superman, Superman celebration. celebration. And then to C2E2 for in Round out at our the nerd end of the summer, summer for uh, more nerdy goodness there. Oh, and we've got a, a Comic-Con here in, in St. Louis yep. the, the week after uh, mid-June, Father's Day weekend. Uh, so just busy just busy. just geeks being geeks. That's what we do. That's and how we roll. That is how we roll, and we appreciate you guys rolling with us as we wrap up chapter two. A peck of owls, not a pack of owls, a peck of owls, which or was, a super long, confusing conversation. Yes, it's like the 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 subtitle, <laughs> like Birds of Prey and the Emancipation of One Harley Quinn, and. If Vernon just hadn't been in the room, I feel like we could have gotten through the conversation a lot faster because clearly Petunia knew, knows, and understands what's going on. But Vernon Vernon's go just out like, what? <laughs> Who? Huh? What are you talking about? Voldies? What is? Dement- Dementoids? Yeah. Vernon, what? go out and get a pizza. Like, we just had to like slowly explain everything to him. Explain it to me like I'm five. So chapter two, A Peck of Owls, here on Broomsticks and Butterbeer. We continue our journey through book five, Harry Potter and the Order of Phoenix, Order of the Phoenix, the Order of Phoenix. Order of Phoenix. <laughs> oh, an Order of Phoenix. Uh, what? And the side of fries. Some mozzarella sticks. Uh, Harry Potter and the Order of Order of the Phoenix here on Broomsticks and Butterbeer. You can follow us on Twitter at BroomsticksB. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Rhino, Jess on Twitter at Jess Rhino. Uh, the numbers on Facebook every day. I get s- several more notifications. Yeah. Thank you all for following us on Facebook. You can message us on there. You can uh, find out when the new episodes drop on there and on Twitter as well. And uh, email us, broomsticks.butterbeer at gmail.com, and we'll read your question or comment on the air. And uh, every once in a while, we get a little um, uh, we get a little giving, and we even send out some swag. Swag! When we really like stuff. Stuff we all need. Oh, so, so stuff we all get. Uh, so thanks again for listening. Uh, working on a, a new uh, sign-off line here. <laughs> oh, do we have something to test I, out I, today? I, n- I, nothing that I like really like workshopped or anything, but I was kind of thinking something like, 
No matter if you're a wizard, or a witch, or a muggle, or a squib, don't be a jerk. <laughs> Something like that. Something like that? Yeah, I think that's pretty good. Um, I, I might have to, you know, mess around with the terminology a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I think that's, you know, that's kind of good to kind of, you know, talk about diversity and inclusion. But no matter what you are, there's no excuse for being a jerk. No excuse. And we will see you next time. Thanks for listening. Bye. I got the magic in me. Every time I touch that track, it turns into gold. Everybody knows.